number one bestseller, Guide to Healing Chronic Pain, A Holistic Approach. And if you happen to be a highly sensitive soul or feel that you are a light worker, light warrior, we welcome you and I have a special gift for you. If you don't already have it, it's called the Sensitive Soul Empowerment Guide, Three Ways of Navigating Your Way to More Peace, Positivity, and Personal Power. You can get that free at SensitiveSoulGuide.com. So today I have the pleasure of interviewing Mike Collins. You can find him at SugarAddiction.com. I'll introduce you in just a moment, Mike. Hang on. (laughs) So let me tell you a little bit about Mike. Well, you know, um, I definitely have had some uh, interesting uh, experience with my significant other, um, having had a past history of various addictions. And um, hang on, let me mute your mic for a sec. Uh, and uh, then going and finding after, you know, all that was over, uh, finding various um, packages of, 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 you know, chocolate and, and, and wrappers, like, in the couch, you know, things like that. And this was quite a while ago. But I thought that was so interesting that it wasn't that easy to go from, you know, say, pot to nothing, right? Like, it was like, pots and sugar, then video games and sugar, then, you know, that kind of thing. And I think this is a really, really common thing. And one of the most common addictions that I see or that I used to see in the office when I had an office was sugar addictions. People said, oh, yeah, I, I, I eat really well and, you know, I, I, you know, don't drink. I don't, you know, do caffeine or anything like that. But I have a really hard time, you know, kicking the sugar habit. So 30 years ago, Mike Collins struggled with drug abuse, and he sought help when his addiction affected his family. During his meetings, he discovered that people would use sugar as a means to cope with the withdrawal symptoms, and so he saw how a sweet substance could be a gateway drug in and of itself. So he is the founder of SugarAddiction.com and Quit Sugar Summit, as well as the board chairman of the Food Addiction Institute, has been completely sugar-free since he kicked his substance abuse habit. Furthermore, he's worked closely with others who are in the same boat to help them regain lives ravaged by this addictive product. Some of his closest beneficiaries have been his children. He's raised two of his kids on a sugar-reduced diet from the womb to six years old. After years of only having sugar once a month, they are doing really well. On today's show, Mike and I will discuss how sugar addiction is present in our culture, as well as uh, how you can recognize it. Uh, We'll also venture into the realm of sugar detoxes, what you can expect, and why sometimes they make the cravings worse. Finally, we'll dive deep into the keto flu and what you can expect during your change in direction. And just to let you know, he has a book that's rated number one in Healthy Living on Amazon, and uh, that will be available free today, the day of the interview, and that is Sugar Addiction. So without further ado, let me unmute you, Mike, and we welcome you to the show. Uh, Hello, hello. Hi there. How are you? I'm I think doing I may great. On, I think I may be on two calls here. Oh yeah, no, I just mute this one. Uh, sorry, I muted the other one, so this one is just good. Oh no, he dropped off that one. All right, so hang on, let me reconnect. Okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I had unmuted your VoIP line, so now you're on the phone line. It's all good. It's all good. Okay, radio thank you. Show, so well, thank you. It's such a nice introduction. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Yeah, we're really excited to have you here. Tell us a little bit more about uh, about your story, about how you noticed this this correlation and, and uh, what you did about it. Yeah, I mean, it's a, I got a little podcast version, you know. I mean, I, I like to go all the way back to before my drug and alcohol days because I think everyone, if they can – you know, put two and two together in their history of how they got there, then it's a little easier for them to walk out of it. It makes more sense to them, right? So I just thought I was a regular kid. I think everyone did. I mean, grew up in that time period. Uh, You know, we used to make Kool-Aid with three times the package uh, amount. And, uh, you know, if we didn't have a half inch of sugar in the bowl to scoop up with the milk on this cereal, we we didn't put enough sugar in it. You know, my mother was a sugar junkie. (laughs) Right? I mean, my mom was a sugar junkie. She she loved sugar. She thought sugar was love, literally. Um, when her when she was young, her mother died when she was eight years old. And they, they made a little deal. They owned the convenience store across the street. And so when she would walk over to get something, they would give it to her for free, you know. And uh, so it was, 
you know, she grew up and, and, and really passed it on to us, to be honest with you. She had a stash. We always knew where it was. My reward for going to the grocery, right? My reward for going to the grocery store uh, and being her pack mule was to get a little treat, right? So you know, we we any any little any little thing we did, we got a treat for, right? So we were literally conditioned with sugar in a lot of ways. And what the message of the whole work that we do is that we are also conditioned, uh, like if we had if we were hurt or in pain or something was wrong, we were crying, she didn't have time, I mean, she had three other kids, she would just give us some sugar and point us to the TV, you know. So we grew wow. up thinking, mm-hmm. you know, we conditioned us. And, and that happens in a, in a lot of stories of people that I work with. So fast forward, you know, I run into beer and alcohol at 13 or 14, and I knew that changed my state. What I didn't know is during the time period of when I was younger that I was being that I was using sugar to uh, change the state of how I felt, right? That was because it was almost, it was free. It was almost, you know, everywhere. You could just open the cupboard. Literally, we used to eat bread and butter sandwiches. <laughs> there was, a, you know, there's, there, there's a great video your listeners can watch on YouTube of Eric Clapton's getting interviewed by 60 Minutes in his $7 million Antigua treatment center. And Ed Bradley of 60 Minutes says, hey, Eric, this addiction thing, it started with heroin, right? And Eric Clapton says, no, Ed, it started with sugar. He said, wow. when I was six years old, I, yeah, I was stuffing bread and butter and sugar sandwiches in my face and, and just to change my state. So anyway, I got sober at 28 and realized that I went right back to sugar. You know, it's like almost recommend, it is recommended in some of the literature that, you know, use sugar. And a lot of my friends, they, you know, they gained 15 pounds, some of them 50 pounds really fast, started getting diabetes diagnosis. So, yeah, that's, I mean, I started to really realize it. And then I started, you know, I went on to have a regular life, a regular business career, raised a couple kids, um, sugar-free, by the way, <laughs> you can mention that, but, Woo-hoo! and then, you know, about 10 years ago, I grabbed the domain sugaraddiction.com and I just started doing this work. So it's, uh. Yeah, it's been a ride. It's been a real, real, um, that, that usually brings up more questions than it answers, Karen. <laughs> I just, that's the short version. No, thank you so much for, for sharing that story. Um, I, I think a lot of people, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but my perception is that a lot of people that I talk to, they're like, oh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not addicted to sugar. And no. I, I don't eat candy. I don't eat cakes. I don't eat cookies. But I find that, you know, we have a lot of processed food and sometimes even so-called healthy organic processed food that has other things other than the word S-U-G-A-R in it, um, whether it be maple syrup or honey or, you know, some of the others maybe are are supposedly healthy, so we'll ask you about that today. You know, like now we're seeing erythritol and monk fruit and stevia and different things. And um, right. It's that that taste uh, that that uh, uh, you know addiction and and I didn't think that oh I you know I don't have that much blah 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 but then when I looked at some of the labels of like um, uh, Caesar salad dressing or you know something like that unless it was like Primal Kitchen <laughs> you know or something like that mm-hmm. it had sugar in it and I was like oh my gosh I've got yeah. stuff with sugar all over the house that's crazy so. Yeah, so I think it's hard for people to get away from it completely unless they're so conscious of it. What's your experience? Oh, yeah, it's really, it's like Pavlov's dog. You know, the work that we've been doing, we start, you know, thousands now, trial and error, really, and worked out a protocol. And what happens is, you know, when when the tongue tastes the sweetness, it's the wired together, fired together thing. The the body starts to expect, uh, you know, more uh, potent, if you will, sugar. So if you're trying a monk fruit or if you're trying the, uh, all the fake sugars and stuff, it's going to keep you in craving. It's going to keep you craving the sugar. And with 80-plus percent of processed foods, both health foods and regular foods in the grocery store and the inside aisles and packages, bags, cans, boxes, cellophane, that stuff... Um, all has sugar in it, right? And they know it works. 
I mean, literally in the, uh, I think it was the 70s or 80s, the tobacco companies started buying up literally General Foods, all of the food companies when, you know, the government regulators were uh, cracking down on them. And they had known because they put sugar in the tobacco, about a teaspoon in each cigarette, you know. No way. And so they knew, yeah, yeah, they, they knew the addiction model. They knew that sugar worked to help keep people coming back. And so that's when the, the you know, the, it skyrocketed, the, the sugar in processed foods. Because it wasn't, you know, it's not like a, uh, to keep, there's no function for it except to make it taste a little, and then the whole fat thing happened, and you know, it, it's like oh, that made it worse. So I heard it made it made it worse, and then even the whole gluten-free thing happened. That was, you know, what I mean. It was just more sugar, more sugar, more sugar, and that's what where we are today. And you're a hundred percent right. Is people don't realize how much sugar they're actually eating when they're not drinking sugar-sweetened beverages or eating ice cream or candy. They're actually ingesting quite a bit of sugar. Uh-huh. Ketchup? Wow. I mean, and ketchup. What do you... Oh, yeah, ketchup. ketchup for? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, I, I I mean, I was talking to, uh, you know, somebody at the health food store, and um, they say in order to balance the flavors of something that the chef is making, they'll actually put a little maple syrup here and there. And, and I understand that, like, to round out the flavors. It's just that sometimes mm. it's not on the label because it's freshly made food. You know, I have right. no idea how much maple syrup she actually put in there. You know, it tastes really yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. No, you have to be careful in, in uh, restaurant food, for sure. You just, the, even the servers, and sometimes even the chefs themselves don't know because it comes, you know, if, a, if it's a chain restaurant or something, they don't know what's in the sauces. I heard that make, there's only like six things in McDonald's that does not have sugar in it, and black coffee is one of them. I don't know if that's true, I, but, it. But I think that was a movie I, 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 would, that I, I would think that might be it, to be honest with you. I'm not sure there's anything. Like their hash browns have sugar, their burgers have sugar, their french fries have sugar, you know? Absolutely. And I, I used to love McDonald's french fries. I mean, I just love, love, loved their french fries. And then now sure. that I know what's in it, I'm like, oh, forget it. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Oh, my gosh. Now, you call sugar the original gateway drug, and that's because of that experience that you're talking about growing up, like how we were conditioned to love sugar, to replace love Absolutely. Sugar. Absolutely. I mean, I don't – one of the things that your guests know about Rodney Dangerfield, who's the great comedian, he's recently passed, and he used to have a tagline, I get no respect, right? You know, and right. sugar gets no respect as a psychoactive drug, right? They don't, it doesn't get any respect as a drug of, of abuse, right? And that, that it can actually change your state of how you feel. But anyone who's chatted any time with a person who's lost two or 300 pounds through a food recovery program or any, of any kind uh, and has also had a background in drug and alcohol, uh, they realize that the exact same uh, process needs to go through, you need to go through and that, that Really, they were using the sugar and the flour and the processed, ultra-processed carbs to change their state, right? That to to drug themselves, to make themselves feel better, to stop hurting and pain. And heck, Karen, when was the last time you saw a movie where uh, a girl got dumped by her boyfriend at sixteen or eighteen, and, and they didn't have an ice cream party, right? That was that's like it's right, become a cultural right, that's a norm. Yeah, it's become, it's become a cultural norm that that's what happens and and people don't realize that unconsciously they are they're like I mentioned earlier they're training their brain to ingest this substance to just tamp down the hurt or the worry or the concern or the stress or the anxiety just a little bit right but then it kind of gets out of hand because you don't have another method like you don't go work out or walk or go to yoga or get a hug or get a massage or something you don't have, there's no effort expended to get a dopamine hit, right? You understand? It's like, like you don't have to work like nature intended, like walking or running or something to get to feel better. You just have to reach for this product. And after that conditioning, if you don't try, when you try to get out the other side, if you don't put two and two together, you're just doomed to repeat it because, you know, 
eventually, you know, some sort of life stressor is going to come in or some kind of back, some stressor you didn't deal with and it starts to come back up is going to come in and then you're going to reach for the sugar. So this is a connection or a concept construct that if people don't get it, they're doomed to continue repeating, uh, you know, going back to sugar. Wow. So, so tell us a little bit, like maybe some science background, like why, why sugar that bad anyway? Well, that's a great question. And and, and really, yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. And and, and it really revolves around what I've been mentioning, the nucleus accumbens, the, the brain's reward system. Okay. The dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine, GABA, um, oxytocin, the big bonding one that's, uh, uh, and even your adrenal glands are, it, there's, you know, one of the things that I like to say is, you know, for 40 years, the food addiction programs knew this in dusty church basements by trial and error. And now that if you eliminate sugar and flour, that, you know, you fall to a right-sized body and, you know, your life changes, you, you, cha- you deal with problems in a different way. Well, now the science in the last five years has totally bear this out. I mean, you can put a person in an MRI and give them, uh, you know, alcohol or other drugs and cocaine even and, uh, and sugar, and it lights up the exact same places in the brain, right? And for the last five years, we've run a Quit Sugar Summit, uh, and that summit has had uh, Robert Lustig. I mean, every person you can ever mention who's ever wrote a book, or Reese Lewis Cantley of, of Cornell, uh, Chris Palmer of Harvard, every MD or PhD or researcher in the sugar world has been on our, you know, our event. And those folks all, to a man, to a woman, every one of them says the same thing. It's really now the study of the brain's reward system, right? And that's really where the science is. And the science says the fructose, which is kind of uh, – what people don't think about. They think about the glucose and for your folks, right, the, right. Sugar, the sugar molecule is half fructose and half glucose, right? And that's the powdered version. Now, this is not a like a holistic kind of fruit or whatever, but this is a powdered version, like the coca, cocaine of coca leaves. You know, this is a powdered product that has been processed to no minerals, no vitamins, just a powder. It's a drug at that point, right? And so it's the fructose that actually is doing, is the offending molecule, right? Um, two or three of them have asked her the question, is fructose a psychoactive drug? They said, yes, absolutely, right? And so fructose cannot be processed anywhere in the body but the liver, right? And so we now have children with fatty liver disease. They never had any alcohol. This is an alcoholic's disease. And because they're processing so much fructose in the liver uh, that, you know, that starts to, like, give them fatty liver. So, yeah, there's a lot of science now, and it gets every single day new reports, new studies, new peer-reviewed studies and journals come out. But it's really not commonly known. It's not well known. And obviously there's a large, (laughs) very large group uh, with a big B in front of it, billions of dollars in sales that have a, you know, a, a differing point of view and they try and get that information out too. So, uh, and I won't mention any names, <laughs> but I don't want to get sued, but you understand uh, what I'm saying. Right, right. Well, and, So and the science is there for sure. Yeah. The, so the, you know, the science is saying, Hey, fr- fructose is, uh, you know, not so great for you. You get fatty liver. Uh, even if you're a child, you can get fatty liver. Um, at some point, I remember, uh, we, you know, we didn't study this in medical school at all. So I remember thinking, mm. you know, going to the health food store, and I was like, oh, you know, I can get these cookies because they're made from agave. It doesn't increase oh, your, yeah. you know, b- blood sugar that much, right? So your insulin's not going <laughs> to kick in. And so I'm like, oh, this is better for you. And then later on, I read, wait a second, that's more fructose than, you know, whatever, <laughs> sugar. Yeah. And so... Tell us yep. a little bit about the agave craze and, and wow, you know, maybe why question. that's not you're so really hot. Ad- yeah, you're, you're really advanced to uh, be talking this way because agave is like the 50-50 is exactly the molecule split in the table sugar, but agave is more has more fructose than glucose in it, right? Uh, sometimes high 70-80% uh, fructose, right? And then 
you think about the high fructose corn syrup, right? This is something that if you look at the obesity rates from the 70s and 80s, it literally parallels the introduction of this product into bread and cereals and everything, every food product, right, and hidden kind of. So really that um, uh, the maple syrup has high, is high in fructose, the agave, all of the, I don't want to say fake because they, you know, they are um, sold as, uh, what do you call it, like health food health in a health food store. They're healthy alternatives to sugar, to processed sugar. But in reality, it's the fructose that's causing the damage. And, you know, you can, you can be just as uh, um, <laughs> messed up with, with health food store fructose as you can with uh, table sugar. So, yeah, it's, a, it's for real. It's for How real about and maple you need to stay syrup? Is that a lot of fructose Same too? thing. Sugar is sugar. I mean, I, I don't want to. <laughs> I, I always people like, well, why, why don't why don't we just buy a bunch of glucose? Let's just forget about the fructose. Let's just buy a bunch of glucose and make all our baked goods with glucose. Would that would that help at all? Yeah, yeah. It's hard to do though. Fructose actually they sell in a crystalline form. Uh, it's it's weird. It's a, literally a uh, like a sugar. You can find it. Um, you can sell buy crystalline fructose, but glucose I'm not sure about. I don't even know the answer to that one, but. Um, yeah, what well, you know, people do start substituting um, fruit, right? And I was going to mention that, you know, I really get a lot of pushback from heavy fruit use. Like in the early days of trying to quit sugar, huh? fruit sugar, especially juice, forget about juice, the body doesn't know the difference fructose-wise between a Coca-Cola and an orange juice. Organically squeezed, perfect orange juice, you know, it the, it hits the liver with this same slam because there's no fiber and you know bananas and oranges navel oranges with no seeds in them these things can't propagate in nature they're hybridized products to and what were they hybridized for over the last 300 years karen right they were for (laughs) sweetness for fructose right like in old days an apple was those little crab apples you ate right those little uh, you know, and banana, you couldn't right. even find, you couldn't, it's all a big seed pod 300 years ago. And so they, they, they hybridized it into this fructose bomb, right? And so you got to kind of think about, because a lot of times what we found in our work is that people say, well, I'll just eat the healthy stuff. I'll eat fruit, right? But what happens is because of the fructose stimulation uh, to the brain reward systems, they end up craving the processed stuff. So they've got to cut it back. Now, you can eventually go back to a little bit of fruit, a little bit of berries or raspberries or something, which is lower in fructose. Uh, but people find that when they're eat, that fruit itself tastes really, really sweet once you um, get off the processed stuff, right? Even carrots taste real sweet. Peppers taste sweet. You know, vegetables taste sweet. Um, so your, your taste buds change really rapidly. Yes, my my husband had this no sugar challenge at CrossFit when he first started CrossFit, uh, uh, you know, over a year mm. ago. And uh, I thank the heavens. <laughs> I was like, thank you for that. Right, um, right. So he was so strict. Uh, you know, he he read every label because he really wanted to win this competition. And he actually came in second. Uh, he actually was the second uh, that lost, you know, the most uh, weight. And then he's the only one that gained muscle. But anyway. Um, so he was so strict. One time we were uh, traveling, and uh, I, I forgot to bring the food, and we were hours and hours and hours at the at the shop, skating shop. Uh, we figure skate, so we were getting our, our skates made. And um, mm. so we went by a store, and we couldn't find any health food store anywhere near. We didn't speak French. And, you know, so we just went to a store and got, like, one of those bagged carrots, you know what I mean, like those little bunny carrots, those little baby things. So I'm I, he's driving and and uh, and I'm feeding him this carrot and so I feed him this carrot and he goes, oh my god, he's like, is that got sugar in it? And I'm like, it's carrot. He goes, no, check the label. And I'm like, okay, I'll check the label. You know, so I read the label. I'm like, or ingredients, carrot. Right. That's it. There's no sugar. I'm like. No, I said you're doing this. That you're off sugar right now for a month. I'm not surprised that it tastes sweet to you. He was like, "Oh my gosh, this tastes so sweet! I could have swore there's sugar in it." So anyway, um, so true. It's so true. Your taste buds change. Yeah, uh, that's that's fascinating. Now, uh, what about uh, 
bread. Because I was telling my husband earlier, I said, oh, my gosh, you should listen to Mike talk about sugar addiction. Him, I don't have sugar addiction anymore. You know, I, I don't eat you know, my candy anymore. I don't eat this. I don't eat that. And, I mean, he even used to eat, like, you know, eight clementines at a time, and he doesn't do that anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, so he's like, I just have my gluten-free bread and my gluten-free waffles and, uh, you know, but I'm not you know, eating ice cream every night. I'm not eating, you know, chocolate bars every night, and he used to. And he can get away with it because he's slim and he's muscular, right? So other people would gain right. all this weight, and but he, you know, he he's a CrossFit athlete. He's very cut. He's very slim. So, yeah. So is 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 how's that? Is that still considered an addiction? Like you know, eating gluten-free bread or waffles? Or? It's a good question. It's a fair question and one I get a lot of pushback on. A lot of people start to think about sweets, right? They start to think about the normal sweets exactly the way your husband's doing it, right? And for the first part of my career, if you will, doing this, my journey in doing this, I worked with late-stage food addicts, right? And uh, obviously, you know, member now, board member at the the Food Addiction Institute. So late-stage food addicts, people two, three, four hundred pounds overweight, losing limbs, going blind, right? They can't, they still can't quit sugar or flour, right? And so, but I've kind of expanded to the point where, you know, what your husband's doing is a, is an awesome uh, thing and, and that there needs to be more awareness about the sugar-sweetened beverages and just sweets in general. But, and you probably knew there was a big butt coming, uh, but the flour, you know, I call it powder addiction. I, I call it anything that's ever been reduced to a white powder is not good for you. And my bet would be if, the world would change for your husband and will change for the entirety of the world when something called a a, um, continuous glucose monitor is reduced to a Fitbit type non-invasive and Google and Amazon are both working on this. But today you have to have, that's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Today you have to have what's called a Dexcon six or one of those other brands, but that's most most famous, uh, it's a little patch you wear, like a nicotine patch on your arm, and you can literally see on your phone, and a doctor will give you this prescription just to ask. Oh, you're a doctor. You can write one. And so you just really have to, you know, see it on your phone, okay? And when you see this on your phone, that when you eat a piece of bread or some pasta, that your glucose goes way out of range. I mean, way out of range. Now, again, we know about the glucose in a lot of ways, right, because it's type 2 diabetes and all this other stuff. And the fructose is the reason you can't quit. This is the reason that you're drawn back to a psychoactive drug that makes you feel better about yourself. But the glucose is going to decimate your body eventually. And it, there's a thing called TOFI. It's uh, uh, thin on the outside, fat on the inside, right? And that, that means a slim cut guy. And, you know, I'm a CrossFitter and I understand, you know, looking good and all that kind of stuff. But if he were able to see, if anyone were able to see their glucose on a continuous glucose monitor, literally on their phone, every time they ate it in real time, these breads and these gluten-free and this, this, that, and the other, they would understand what's going on. They're not going to be challenged by weight. They're going to have like, I don't know what the percentage is, but they're going to have a market improvement in their life if they just eliminate what your husband does is the standard sweets, but at the end of the day, your glucose is going to be whacked if you keep eating the bread. You've got to, you've got to take this. Now you can do this inexpensively by just pricking your finger an hour, you know, like doing a graph, but that gets a little old after a while. Um, But yeah, no, the glucose thing is uh, it's very real. And again, for the late stage folks that I described that I worked with, what happens is, you know, it's like, again, Pavlov's dog and wired together, fired together. So when someone gets a glucose hit, they assume it's, you know, the body starts to think when they're early in the game, like your husband's away from it now. He has other methods to help self-soothe and exercise and CrossFit and stuff. But when they're away from the uh you know, the, the the sweet stuff, the fructose, and they eat the glucose and they eat the bread and stuff, their brain starts to think, well, it was cake, it was cookies, it was this, that, and the other. They were all combined together. And it sets up cravings for the sweet stuff. And so they need to, at the beginning, back off of it all. 
And then maybe someday they can try it down the line. They can try a little gluten-free bread. They can try a little keto something or other, you know, the keto things that they all, you know, all over the marketplace now, keto waffles and all these kind of things that however they make it without uh, glucose, kind of, they're without bread or without flour. But in the beginning, it really is important to do both, to get off both, because it will lessen the cravings and help you get to the other side of cravings. And so that's how I kind of present it to folks. Mm, I see. So are you saying, like, cold turkey is better than trying to wean down because it's not possible to wean down when those cravings are so strong, when you're still signaling the brain and all the dopamine hits? Yes, it's all, 100% abstinence is a lot easier than 95% moderation. It really is. I mean, it just, it's just annoying to, you know, have these cravings pop up when you try and limit your, have your cheat days. And, your, you know, cheat days really last two or three days because you have cravings for two more days. You know what I mean? It's like annoying. Even if you don't get, if you, if, even if you get through it, it's not, you know, and you don't use the, the sugary products, it's still annoying to be thinking about it all the time. <laughs> well, what if it's like not sugar, but it's a sweet taste? Is that still signaling, you know, the the brain's addiction center? Like if it's stevia yes. or monk fruit or something like that? Yep, the sweetness does do the same thing. The sweet tastes do the same thing. The stevias, the monk fruits and stuff. You know, it's like, you know, genius is only pattern recognition, right? You've heard this phrase before, right? It's like it, it, but, and so we've had the benefit over, you know, now almost full-time three years to watch people do all these experiments on their body, right? Well, let me just try monk fruit. Let me try, let me try this uh, CVO. Let me try this, that. And so they've all tried it, and they've all, you know, come to the same conclusion in the early days that, it draws them back to craving. I always say the hard stuff, you know, like the sweet, the candy, and the chocolate, and the regular, you know. And maybe they're okay. It's like a beer, like an alcoholic drinking beer. Like, well, I can have a couple of beers, but you know, then you're looking for some whiskey. And uh, and and it's hard for folks to grasp. And I think this is really a stigma, kind of a like a, a tipping point uh, for folks. It's hard for them to grasp the fact that they may be an addict. That using the word addiction, using the word addict, is hard for folks. You know, yeah. I've tried to expand the uh, the acceptance level and do exactly like your husband and 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 try and get them off the sweets first, and then kind of move them along if they have problems. You know, but yeah, it's hard. You know, it's it's hard for folks to grasp this that. If they ever sat down with a recovering food addict, someone who has lost two or 300 pounds, and kind of explained how hard they tried for decades uh, to moderate, then they, you know, and I always say, look, hey, it's adult. We're adulting here. It's, this is like, if I told you not to eat steak for a month, you'd say, oh, I like steak or broccoli if you're vegetarian or whatever. But this is just an experiment, you know, just test your body out and see what happens. Buy into this little fantasy that I have perpetrated on my own children and, you know, thousands of people who've had success and just give it a whirl. Just experiment. Just just a test. It's only 30, 45, 60 days. See how you feel. See if you're losing weight. See if your skin clears. All of this stuff really does happen and then you risk it you see well maybe i'll try a little cake or maybe i'll you know most people if they get to 90 full days of abstinence never return they just never they they do not want to risk the benefits that they've garnered you know better sleep and no snoring i mean just crazy stuff off of diabetes meds off of ssris crazy benefits right that have happened to folks over these, you know, this um, journey. So, yeah, it, wow. again, well, it's t- tough in the early days to get them to understand that, you know, and don't call it an addiction. Just say maybe biochemically you can't handle this product. You can't outrun your biochemistry and that you weren't made or built to ingest these powdery substances. Well, what, tell us a little bit about the you know, withdrawal, um, mm. you know, what, 
withdrawal, and then there's something that's come up called the keto flu for people starting ketogenic diets. I'm not really familiar with that too much, so maybe you can teach us a little bit about those two things. Yeah, well, the keto flu just is withdrawals. It's absolutely sugar withdrawals, and uh, you know, it just that it if you put the two symptoms together, they're identical, right? And really, all the keto folks are now starting to have uh, addiction folks speak on their stages. Well, not stages right now, but on their stages, and and they've kind of integrated that understanding. And they're starting to all these educators starting to uh, you know really come in our direction because they found that they can tell people just to eat keto, but then they can't get off the sugar thing. I had a guy who lost a hundred pounds on keto and still had 60 to go and just couldn't put down the sugar. It just kept relapsing on it, you know, and had plateaued weight wise. So withdrawals is real. That's the first thing. Okay. Withdrawals from sugar is real. It's, it's not a mental thing, but it does manifest as a mental thing. You get uh, irritable, anxious, depressed, literally physically depressed. And you're depressed because in science terms, it's called the dopamine receptors have been down-regulated, meaning you have less of them. They've been thinned out. And if your mother used it, you may have been born, like I believe I was, with a little bit less dopamine receptors in general. And so you're not trying to uh, you know, ingest this because you want a sweet taste. You're in re-ingesting because you just need to feel normal. You have a meeting. You have kids. You can't be... Uh, sad or blue or depressed or lethargic. I mean, people are known to sleep 12 and 15 hours the first five or seven days. And wow. their body starts to, yeah, they start to re, recalibrate their brain reward systems, right? And it takes a long time for some folks, especially, you know, who have a big habit. It takes a while to get them to the other side. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just a, it, it's a very real phenomena and, Again, it's mostly a mental feeling. It's not, a, I don't believe, a mental illness or a mental uh, disease of any kind. It's just that you have been conditioned to manually manipulate dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine, GABA, uh, oxytocin. You've been able to, since a child, made a correlation that if I use this substance, this feeling will stop or change or alter or make felt better. And then when you stop, you have to substitute something, usually exercise or other self-care methods, uh, good food, good hydration, good sleep. You have to try and recalibrate their brain chemical uh, system and reward system. Um, and, you know, other physical stuff happens. Your Your body... It, you're starving for 10 straight days. You're, no matter how much you eat, you're starving because your delivery system for the fructose and the, it, it has always been your stomach. Like a heroin, you, uh, you know, stick in your needle in your arm and marijuana, you smoke. Well, the delivery system for the fructose has always been your stomach and your body will literally go through like machinations to figure out how to get it back. And if, playing like it's hungry works, then it works. But that just dissolves into nothingness after 20 or 30 days. You know, you're you're a little hungry after a while, but it's more important to really recognize that your mental state is a little um, off uh, and you're tired and lethargic. And I actually believe over the years of you know working with folks is that in the early, well, it's still around, but most people don't talk about it, that... Um, Sugar is an amotivational drug, right? Marijuana always was talked about as an amotivated. It created a syndrome called amotivational syndrome. And I actually believe sugar does that too, right? It's like that person that can't get up off the couch and go exercise, right? They'd rather just have the sugar because you don't have to go exercise to get a dopamine hit. All you got to do is reach for the sugar and you feel satiated in dopamine for a few minutes, 20, 30 minutes, and then you have to re-ingest again, which, again, sets up the addiction process. So these are, I don't think they're far-fetched after working with thousands of folks and having the same results that 
when they get abstinent that these things change. And when you get on the other side of the 30 or 60, 90 days, this stuff all just evaporates. It just disappears. And you have a normal relationship to hunger. You have a normal relationship to other foods. Sometimes you're not hungry a half the day and you can't, you think, wow, I didn't eat breakfast. Heck, I didn't even eat lunch. And then, it, and you're like, they, you could have never done that when you were on the other product. So anyway, it's a, it's an amazing topic and, and one I think the science is now bearing us out. So, or not now, well, I think that, it, it really is. Well, it's great that you have so much uh, experience in this. I, um, before I used to have to eat six times a day, um, mm. I have you know, diabetes on dad's side of the family, and uh, mom would often go hypoglycemic. Now, in the Chinese mm. uh, you know, culture, um, the sweets is not that common, actually. Mm. Um, although we do have our own junk food, but our junk food is like you know, preserved plum or something. I mean, it does have sugar mm. in it, but you weren't really allowed to eat very much of it. Now, I'd say noodles mm. probably would be our number one, you know, noodles and rice. Um, but, you know, we ate a lot of meat and things like that. So compared to some of my Caucasian friends growing up, I didn't have as much available. And I remember on Halloween, we would collect all this candy. My mom was like, okay, you can have one per night. Oh, my gosh, it lasted months. <laughs> per night. Um, I noticed that if I go through a fast, like if I, I like bone broth a lot, so I do bone broth fasting. Um, and it's amazing to me how much – well, I have other tools too. We have I have these phototherapy patches that help me with energy, and there's one for appetite actually that helps with sugar addictions for many people. But anyway, I, I just find that my blood sugar is really even, and mm. um, that I don't go through these these cravings. Uh, but I know for my patients that if they're sometimes if they're really craving sugar, really their body just wants energy, like their chi mm. or their vitality is low. Uh, so one is that, one is an energy thing. And the other I noticed, too, for my patients, their former patients, because I don't have an office anymore, but um, was that their microbiome sometimes was calling for the sugar. And so they mm. would have a lot of guilt about, oh, I'm so addicted to sugar, I'm so addicted to sugar. And then, you know, we would do some energetic testing. I'm like, well, actually, it's the fungus that is overgrowing in your belly that really is calling for the sugar. <laughs> You know, right. so they felt kind of less guilty about it because uh, they had, you know, these trillions of other organisms in their belly, some that were not so happy and some were unbalanced uh, that were causing that addiction. So just curious if you, you know, noticed those two things like, you know, just people having low energy and not, you know, just the dopamine thing, but and then people maybe having microbiome imbalances. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the low energy is the lethargy that I described. I mean, during the withdrawals, that does go away. Um, you know, you're kind of craving, and it does give a, a cheap energy hit, right? It does give, the glucose does give you an energy hit. Um, and I kind of wrestle back and forth between the, you know, the glucose in a vegetable and the glucose in a, um, you know, a processed food, a powder, you know, it's like snorting a line of cocaine to get energy kind of thing, you know, instead of eating something. So, I mean, and as far as the the microbiome, you know, I've been more, because I come from, you know, an addiction background and really have studied the brain science and stuff, um, I, I can't, you know, I come from that angle and I, and I, and I, it's more about trying to keep them off this stuff than why they keep going back. But absolutely, the candida overgrowth and all these kind of um, things, they heal up because the body isn't screaming, the gut is not screaming for these, this, you know, this cheap energy source. And really, like you say, it's not your body screaming for it. It's these, this overgrowth and this, these other things in your gut that are screaming for it. And the gut imbalances. And really, the sugar really throws all that off. You know, and people that do yeah. that kind of work, they really uh, drill into it. And there's such healing and such reordering of the gut biome when they get off the sugar that, you know, for me, that's a byproduct. You know, that's like a, um, a an extra bonus, right, that you're now yeah. healthier. And, uh, and and they don't, you know, the, the second, the idea that the, the uh, gut is the second brain and that it participates in the insatiable hunger in the early days of withdrawals 
is perfect evidence that, you know, it's either the trillion cells of the gut biome or the body's brain is so sophisticated that it can create this feeling of hunger when you're not, when you just finished eating that, you know, uh, so which it is, I'm not a hundred percent, but I know it, you know, that, that, that it's a very real phenomena, this ravenous hunger that seems to emanate from the stomach. Right. Um, one of the things I'd like to tell folks that they don't quite get or really believe until it actually happens to them is that a growling stomach is not a real hunger. It's a hunger pangs are not real hunger. And that when you get off this stuff for you know 60 or 90 days, my stomach used to growl. You could hear it across the table. I mean, so when I was younger as a kid, I haven't had a growling stomach in 30 years. It's, it just goes away. It just doesn't exist so when your body's not trying to re-ingest this one product, right, this, this, this sugar and flour. So, I mean, it's these little things that you learn, these little data points that you learn along the way, uh, hearing people's outcomes that, you know, gives you a positive outlook on all this and that, you know, you're kind of on the right track. So, yeah, growling stomach, you know, messed up gut, Try, try try our little experiment for 60 days and see what happens. <laughs> okay. Well, speaking of that, I, I don't want to uh, uh, share with people that are live on the call today, if you'd like to ask Mike a question, the number to call in is 818-514-1190 and just hit 1 so we know your hand is up. Again, the number is 818-514-1190 and hit 1. So, Mike, uh, you have a, a free book for people. Can you tell us uh, where they can find that and what, what it's about? Yeah, just you go to sugaraddiction.com forward slash book, uh, or just go to the sugaraddiction.com. It's right there. The first thing you see is a you know copy of the book. It's on Amazon as well uh, for free uh, during this uh, you know during today's presentation or whatever. Um, it's the last resort sugar detox. But yeah, I mean it's really just my story, and you know the story of my kids and the story of you know how I. You know, got through the drug and alcohol thing and then got to the other side and started to put two and two together and then uh, started to work with folks. And and then it's got all the plans and meal plans. And, and a lot of people, this is an interesting phenomenon that I've had to overcome a little bit, is most folks just want a menu and an exercise plan, right? They want to think, like, they want to have their own personal version of The Biggest Loser, right? They want to say, this is how I, <laughs> this is how they change, right? This is I, I eat the right things and I exercise the right way. But if they don't kind of get the other parts of it, the, you know, the addiction part of it, the, the brain chemical stuff, the fructose part, if they don't get that part of it, they end up... Um, trying to exercise their way out of this and they think that, well, I can have a cheat day because I'm going to work out tomorrow or whatever, you know, and that process, that older process has obviously failed us, you know, uh, the, the uh, processed food experiment that the human race has been running since the K rations of World War II is a failure, you know, we have to return to whole food and it's it's okay for some folks, you know, people that will need, you know, people that um, really get it, that, that 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 really understand it, and they can shop on the outside of the grocery store. Still a challenge financially sometimes for folks, um, but yeah, I mean it's uh, yeah, food deserts, right? Where they don't have right, food, they just exactly. have a whole bunch of boxes, which is so right. They, it's all boxes and cans, and and you know the. The food rations guys, they had to, like, I was reading yesterday that, you know, they literally, Hershey's or Hershey's or Post or, or somebody made a, uh, or Mars made a uh, uh, an energy bar for the troops in the World War II, you know. And then when they got to the other side of it, they, you know, the troops came home. They didn't really have anything to sell, right? So they had to start this process of literally processed food and boxes and bags and cans when before oh, mom right. had to make it or someone had to make it all from scratch every oh, three times a day and it became convenient and really we didn't kind of pay attention to the health stuff until the like even the 80s and 90s when the high fructose corn syrup came in because it wasn't affecting the obesity rate terribly and then it just skyrocketed and now we're in a dilemma you know, in the pickle 
Not wow, a pickle. Wow, We're in wow. a pickle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I just want to share with everyone again. If you can go to Amazon uh, to 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 get the uh, Kindle for free today, or you can go to SugarAddiction.com and get a copy of the free ebook as well. Thank you so much, Mike. Uh, and if if people wanted to work with you, um, what does that look like and what kind of support do they get? Because I know there's so many people that say, I've tried to quit, I've tried to quit, I've tried to quit, I can't do it. I can't do it on my yeah. own. So. It's obviously you've been practicing a long time because you've talked to a lot of people and you can see that, you know, that they try, they really want to. Yeah. Um, and, but it's just really hard because they're, you know, there's just a few uh little chinks in their arm, the little, little things that help levers that haven't fallen into place for them. And what we do is we have a, a 30 day challenge. Uh, it's, I come into your inbox every day for 30 days with a video. And then we have some core videos that are in there that I, you know, had for my one-on-one coaching students when I did all that. And then we have, uh, that is supplemented with a, we've got like 5,500 people in a Facebook group. We've got, um, uh, you know, Zoom meetings, weeknights where people, you know, get support. So there's a lot of support for that uh, 30-day challenge. And the 30-day challenge usually obviously goes to 60 and 90, and people are, you know, then plugged in uh, to the support system. And it's really the support that we found uh, in the last two years has really you know, move the needle. That's just what you don't feel alone because in this scenario, you're going to most probably be the only one in your house, let alone your work and, you know, your, your city or your school is that, you know, this is still, we're, I call us the canaries in the coal mine, Karen. We're the folks who kind of have done the research. Um, you included other people who have, you know, they, they know this isn't good for them. But they've had difficulty quitting, so they need to join a tribe of folks who are uh, the same as them or have kind of come to the same conclusions as them. And this has worked in AA and, and support group stuff for, you know, 100 years. It's just now being brought to the, to the you know, to this world. And it's, you know, obviously now we have to do it online for the most part. And so that's how we do it. But, yeah, it's a... It does work, great. and you, you you get great friends out of it, and great you know lifelong friends out of it. So, well, and yeah. I understand. I mean that the the thirty day sugar challenge where you get all that support uh, on Facebook, right? That's that's free. Uh, you can join that group, yeah, if you'd like. Um, uh, but you can't. You don't get all the information, and you don't get the videos, and you don't get the Zoom meetings. So there's you know there's a free part of you know we we like to give it as best we can move the free line for folks that can't afford it. But, yeah, there's there's different levels, sure. Ah, okay, okay, awesome, awesome. So people can start a 30-day challenge on, on the website. I see that 30-day challenge, sugar-free, in just one month. Yeah. And then that part is a paid program that they go and get that support. Is that correct? correct? Okay, yep, exactly. great, awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I think, some folks you know, find, you know people need the accountability. Things. Most of us do. You know, it's so funny you say that. That, that the number one success, whatever, edict, the, the success uh, tenet that they, people brag about when they do get off the sugar is that they had to have the accountability. That's exactly what they say. They just, I needed somebody to be accountable to because left to my own devices, I would reach for the candy. So that's exactly right. They don't want to, dis- you know, you've heard this. People like they'll disappoint themselves, but they're not going to disappoint their new friends. You know, what I mean? they want to. They want to appear <laughs> to be. And whatever it takes, I'm. I'm. A, I, whatever it takes to get them to the other side, I'm good. Mm, yeah, yeah. That that's it's 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 great. I think I, I tell my uh, healing students that one of the things that uh, you know catapults people to success, and we're talking about you know the people that are healthy, wealthy, and happy. You know, is every but mm-hmm. every single. People, every single person that I know that has gotten to that place uh, and enjoy their lives have accountability partners, and usually more than one. Everybody either has a coach yep. or a mentor, at least one, at least one. Mm. Um, yep. I've met with my accountability partner every Monday for the past, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years. It's been a while, <laughs> and uh, unless nice. I'm traveling or whatever, every every Monday, you know, she's she's like a farmer. 
you know, she's not a healthcare provider. You know what I mean? Like we're coming from different yeah. walks of life, but, uh, you know, I got things on my list. She's got her things on her list and we check our, you know, our wins our challenges and our commitments. And every week I know I'm, I'm looking at my book going, what did I say I was going to do? You know? Uh, cause I yeah. tell Sandy, I didn't do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm such a believer in that. Such a believer. So, so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's no, that's fantastic. Uh, let me just put the uh, – I see a bunch of people called in. We'll see if you want to ask Mike a question live on the show, 818-514-1190, and just hit 1 in your dial pad so I know that your hand's up. Again, 818-514-1190, and hit 1. Um, okay. So we have uh, sugaraddiction.com is where everyone should go. Check out uh, the free book as well if you want some uh, support and accountability. And really, finally, to get off that sugar, uh, check out the 30-Day Challenge, uh, which is also on that page as well. And you can find them on Facebook. Um, And uh, so when you, Mike, when you, uh, uh, you know, when people do this and they, they, you know, get off the sugar, um, what what in your experience with working on all these people, what what are like the top three benefits that that Mm. you that's a great question. You know, we got a saying, uh, people uh, come for the vanity and they stay for the sanity. And uh, basically, people want to lose weight. That's the first thing they want to do coming in. That, that's what, uh, you know, our normal person or our, our average person has tried seven, six point eight seven different, like, weight watchers and potions and pills and everything, seven different things. They're, you know, a woman in their uh, 40s to 70s, and they have, um, you know, gained one. To, this is just the average person. There's a lot of, uh, you know, one to two pounds over the last 20 or 30 years, right? So now they're 30, 40, 50 pounds overweight, and they want to lose weight. But what happens is, and this is a great question, because one of the things that we haven't talked about is brain fog, okay? And sugar causes this intense brain fog that people think that, that is aging, you know, they think that yeah, I know. They, always say that to me. they think I'm, I'm getting older, right? Well, it's just not true. Yeah. And you think about all of these, you know, the brain reward chemicals and that they're calling Alzheimer's diabetes three now that sugar affects yeah. your brain in such a tough way. It just really beats the heck out of your nucleus accumbens and brain reward systems that, it's affecting your brain, for goodness sakes, right? So obviously, A, the weight loss, and then B, the brain fog. And then one, you know, getting off the diabetes meds and the SSRIs occasionally. Uh, now, we're not, I'm not a doctor, and I, but this does happen. So I'm, I'm just, you know, showing you that it does. But uh, and we don't recommend it, and we're not predicting it or nothing. But it does happen occasionally. But definitely getting off the diabetes meds. And another one that's really exciting to folks is their skin clears, Right, their skin clear. A lot of people that had adult acne, cystic acne, um, and just even if they didn't even have acne, that it seems smoother and softer, and their skin clears up. And this is, you know, something I hear all the time. So, I mean, those are the top three that I can think of. And 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 that listening, you know, light sleeping better uh, is absolutely one of them, and the um, less brain fog. But also, when I talk about the, you know, the lifting of kind of depression stuff or feeling better, uh, you just feel better because you're not on a dopamine roller coaster. You're not, you know, I, I always, I always do this. this. People really don't get it, but I, I, I keep trying to perfect it. So I'm going to indulge if you'll indulge me a second. So if you're going to a concert and you got a little meth and a little cocaine and a little beer and a little whiskey and a little acid and a little this, what's the goal? The goal is, is to get to that concert at 930 when the, the second band comes on, not the warm-up band, and be perfect, to have manipulated your state into such a state that you feel euphoric, right, and that you enhance your experience. Well, people do this every day with their sugar, flour, and caffeine, but they don't connect it, right? They don't put the two together. And when you get off of that roller coaster and then you are, you know, on an even keel emotionally and you're not ingesting sugar to stop uh, worrying, you're not, 
ingesting caffeine to make sure you've got to have one and a half cups before you go in to see the boss. And when you get off of that roller coaster, you come to an even keel. And as that keel, even this like stretches into the future, you end up being in control of how you feel. You end up being in control of your moods. One of the most amazing benefits is irritability towards other people almost evaporates. You know, people, you know, the kids say all the time, I like sugar-free mom. I like mom sugar-free. She's nicer. True story. And that's hundreds of times that's happened. So, yeah, I mean, there's just a ton of benefits. And there's only one way to check them out, which is to get to the other side of the withdrawals, you know. We have a we have a caller, so oh, cool. I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna unmute you. It's uh, area code eight five eight. Hi, who's Hi. This is Christy. Um, this is brilliant. And what I wanted to add was, we noticed that when my brother was like ten or younger, he would sometimes go and get a bowl of brown sugar and eat it, just like other people might get ice cream. He would eat the bowl of brown sugar. And later he became an alcoholic. And we had alcoholic from my dad's side, from his dad and him. So there's a real connection there. Wow. Absolutely. Thank you for bringing that up and being vulnerable enough to share that. That is, that we see that a lot. You know, that, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg kind of thing. And it really is the sugar. A lot of times people with sugar uh, issues early, you know, they, it, the sugar just stops working as a state changer, as, a, as an analgesic, as a pain reliever, uh, as a mood changer. So people escalate. That's exactly what happened to me. And, that, and Eric Clapton, I mean, the video, check it out. It's really interesting on YouTube. But yeah, no. Thanks for thanks for bringing that out. Yeah, I wonder too if if they monitored the um, while you're in the womb, you know, fetal alcohol syndrome and that sort of thing. Is there a met- metabolic sort of sugar problem or something that gets changed around? You know, like. Well, here you're here you're hitting my hot buttons here now for sure. That that is what I believe with all my heart. And, you know, Dr. Lustig, the eminent researcher, probably the most famous in the sugar research world, says this is a 30-year game. You know, we got it's going to take 30 years for science to explain this, like sugar, like cigarettes and what have you. And, I, you know, the sugar it does cross the placental barrier. I believe it affects the brain. I mean, I use my own children as human guinea pigs. That's how much I believed it and didn't have a no sugar in the womb until they were, you know, for a long time. So I do believe that 100%. It's just going to take a long time for society to catch up with it. More importantly, for science to definitively confirm what you just said. But I do believe it. Yeah, and and like almost all the alcoholics I know do seem to almost have a a um, a diabetes predilection. <laughs> right. You know, like oh, yeah, maybe yeah. that that's the the alcohol helps create the me- metabolic whatever they're after, or maybe it was the dopamine. But there seems to be a tie together with both the sugar u- use and the um, blood sugar and the brain dopamine. Yeah, I think it's all combined. I really do. I mean, it's it, it really. I think it's all combined. There, there's you can't separate them. And this idea that you know morally, ethically, uh, legally, you can give this product to a one-year-old is going to have to change. I mean, Dr. Lustig believes that you know you should have an ID and be 18 to to get sugar. And I think that's funny. Wow. I think it's going to be an no. I think it's going to be an adult treat sooner or later. Um, uh, and maybe not in our lifetime, but sometime when science can diagnostically prove exactly what you're saying. Yeah, well, brilliant program, and it's so cool that you've tied that all together. Well, thanks. It's uh, take a while. It's just uh, trial and error, being in there, I guess, being in the trenches. Great. Keep it up. Yeah, it's there. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. <laughs> 
Mike, this has been uh, so awesome. Thank you so much uh, for sharing your wisdom with us today and uh, and also for the free book at sugaraddiction.com. Uh, I think uh, there's so many people that could benefit from that help and support, and, and sometimes they feel really alone. They feel really guilty about not being able to do that. You know, they feel that there's something mm. wrong with them, and, and what you've just shared is just like, hey, you know, this this is not any less serious an addiction than heroin or cocaine or, you know, alcohol or any of these things. Just because you can buy it in the grocery store and be five and eat it doesn't mean it's less addictive or less harmful long term. So uh, just putting that into perspective is, is so, so helpful. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. That was, uh, and thanks for Yeah, I mean, it's kind of sad. It hurts, hurts your heart a little bit to watch the folks who are losing legs and going blind and you know, they've got diabetes, but they still can't quit sugar. You know, if they just spend five minutes in my inbox or five minutes in my messenger, they would see that long-term it, it is it's just as dangerous and deadly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we, well, we could all use the, the support. So, again, thanks for your work and passion in this area. Mm-hmm. And uh, next time the, um, you know, the Sugar Summit comes, uh, Sugar Addiction Summit comes, please let us know so we can help promote it for you. Mm-hmm. That'd be great. I'd really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and until next time, bye for now.